First of all, saints are just people. And the saints that we celebrate today, except for the very early ones for whom there was great trouble and martyrdom, although we still have our martyrs, are basically people who've been called by God and struggled with their background and who they are and did something that's worthy of us remembering them and emulating them. So here we have St. Vincent de Paul and St. Uh, Louise de Meliac. And they became companions of the poor, but they didn't get that way right away. In 18, in 1669, St. Vincent de Paul wrote this for the Daughters of Charity's rule. Their cloisters shall be the streets of the city, their cell a rented room, their chapel the parish church, their enclosure obedience, their grill the fear of God, their veil holy modesty. So we start with the story of a vain priest about town, Barbary pirates and conversion, an impoverished widow of a, a great and noble family. I mean, they had ties in court. Uh, you know, Richelieu was their best friend, but who was born out of wedlock and never knew her mother. And her stepmother didn't like her very much. And a yearning for God, who was a great organizer. Oh, she was the professional senior warden. I mean, she could organize any group of people to do whatever it is that she thought she wanted them to do. And the great spiritual friendship which enriched them both would serve the needs of the poor. And in God's mercy, each to the other knocked some of the rough edges off, but it was a wonderful, wonderful spiritual love. So how did they get there? Vincent was born of a peasant family about in about 1580 or 1581. His father actually sold the brace of oxen or one of them, that they used to plow the fields so that Vincent could be sent for an education. He wanted his son to be a priest. Why? Favor with God? No. He wanted him to bring an income into the family because a priest who was smart and had the right kind of friends could pocket a lot of money. That's where the church was in France in those post-Reformation days. Um, it was a difficult time in France for a lot of reasons. We'll get into that. He was good with scholarship. And in fact, he was priested, well, five, six years earlier than the church allowed, given a, um, a parish. And then the complaints started coming in. He's too young for this. So he quit like a good boy and went back to school. Um, but he was still a priest. They were just waiting for him to get old enough. Uh, but he was still very um, 
tied to the secular world. And one time when he was sailing on business, he was captured by Barbary pirates. Who were Barbary pirates? They were from the Middle East. The, we still hear about that, about the pirates that are in uh, the Mediterranean and, and throughout that area. Uh, I think there was a movie made about a, a ship captain who was, uh, his ship was captured. Uh, so they were not nice people. So here was Vincent sold into slavery. Uh, he came back telling you fanciful tales. So some people said they maybe take this with a grain of salt. But as near as we can tell, first he was sold to a fisherman. That didn't work out because he got seasick. Then he was sold to an alchemist. Alchemist was the basis of science in that period. And he was favored by his master and taught everything. Uh, so that he came out of it a trained alchemist. Nothing to sneeze at in that era. Um, and then the man died. And eventually he was sold to a lapsed Catholic priest who had been a Franciscan. And he was living on a small farm with his three wives. One of the wives was called to Christianity, and of course, Vincent accommodated her education, and she convinced her husband to return to his vocation. And they escaped on a small boat with Vincent and, 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 and this man. We don't know what happened to the wives. Um, I think they got left behind, but who knows. On his return to Europe, Vincent had a conversion experience. He was busy hobnobbing with the rich and famous and getting uh, jobs to do for the church. And he was tending to a dying peasant. And it hit him who this man was to God and what poverty meant. And his, uh, the scales fell from his eyes. Many years, well, he eventually formed an order of priests, the Congregation of Charity, dedicated to serving the poor. And later on, he was appointed chaplain to the prisoners to be sold as galley slaves. Slavery was alive and well in the white world. And the life of a galley slave in the 17th century was no better, perhaps worse, than it was in the Roman army. It wasn't a long and happy life, and he was their chaplain. Actually, so were the sisters of charity, the daughters of charity. We'll get to that. Louise de Mériac was the illegitimate daughter of an important French noble family born in 1591. Her father claimed her as a daughter. She always wanted to be a nun. But after her stepmother wanted no part of her and her father died and she had no where to turn, she attempted to, and had a, 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 a specially needs son. So she was carrying around this, this other problem that was part of her world. And she was denied entry into, into any convent, even though the Dominican 
superior of one convent was her aunt, uh, another uh, Devoniac. She was pretty crushed. So she wrote for herself her own rule of life, and it was harsh. Every minute of the day and night were prayers and, and self-flagellation and, 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 and scrubbing floors for poor people. And somewhere along there, although she had a spiritual director in of all people, Francis de Sales, she had a vision of where her next spiritual director was and what he would look like. Well, eventually she had to move. It's like you can't live in Mill Valley, you move someplace poor. And she sighted a man, and it was the man that she had seen in her vision. And she said, Come and be my spiritual director. She said, Not me. And it took a while before it clicked with them. So this is the bare bones of their lives. Two people who became so joined in spirit and, men, and, and mission. Victor never wrote very much about his rule. He was very incarnate. He went his way. And the way was the way of the poor. And he just did the things that needed to be done. But she had the organizational skills. And she drew around her a lot of young, healthy women. She wasn't looking for the daughters of the rich who were in most of the convents. She was looking for peasant girls and young widows who could lift a bucket and wash sores and she, and she basically fell into the position of being the superior of an order that with Vincent's support she founded He eventually was able to get through that kind of spiritual arrogance that she could do everything all by herself and that she had to be busy all the time. He kept hammering at her, you've got to let God call the shots because she wanted to be in charge. Obviously, she could do it better than anyone, even Jesus. I know that feeling. <laughs> that is something very familiar to me. That kind of stuck with me. And he hammered at me, as many people do, to let go and let God. She was never very healthy. So she was fighting her body. She was fighting taking care of her son. And she was trying to hold together this mission that God had given her. She knew what her vocation was. So little by little, it sort of settled out. She saw that her son was settled, but she was able to let go of him too. Just as Vincent had to let go of his own 
birth family and let them take care of themselves because his mission was to take care of the poor. And at that point with wars and plagues and political unrest, there were plenty of poor, especially in Paris, but all through France. There were abandoned newborn babies. There were abandoned widows. There were galley slaves. There were people dying of plague with no hospital, no doctors. There was plenty to do. One thing that Louise was able to do, which uh, Jean de Chantel, who was the woman companion of, of Francis de Sales, couldn't quite pull off. And that was a women's order that wasn't locked behind the grill. She had basically been able to create the first apostolic order of women who went out in the world. That's what they did. They may live together for modesty's sake, but they were out on the streets. If you want to get an image of them in one, just think of, of uh, the nuns in um, Call the Midwife. They set their offices together, they prayed, they received communion together. Outside of that, they were out there taking care of people. So the spirituality of Vincent's order and hers was one of incarnational service balanced by prayer. Vincent strove to uplift the practice of religion among the clergy through training and retreats. They were not all a very educated lot or a very religious one either. Louise worked to increase spiritual devotion among the poor through retreats and teaching. She produced school teachers, she produced nurses. She trained them before she sent them out. The power of the movement was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit touched and made Louise and Vincent God's hands and feet. So what does this say to us? It says a lot to me. But I think it says a lot to all of us. If we search our hearts, not everybody is called to abject poverty. Louise and Vincent were not, and as St. Francis was, they were not living in abject poverty. If there was food on the table, they ate it. Um, but I think we are all called to remember as I know each one in this room does, and I know you all, and I know the work that you do for other people. This is part of our, our core, our baptism. And it was the baptism vows that Vincent kept coming back to. 
amongst his priests, amongst the daughters of charity. There's so much sorrow in the world. Anything we can do to bandage your hurt is a gift to God and is to the glory of God and to God alone. And it took a while for that proud, young, brash priest about town and that super arch-religious, I'm going to do it all myself, to get that. And that's where we need to be, to open our hearts to God, say, where do you need me? And show me the way. Uh, I'm going to close with a quote by Vincent to the daughters, because it's nice. You will find out that charity is a heavy burden to carry, heavier than the kettle of soup or the full basket. But you will keep your gentleness and your smile. It is not enough to give soup and bread. The rich can do that. You are the servants of the poor, always smiling and good humored. They are your masters. And the dirtier they will be, the more unjust and insulting, the more love you must give them. For it is only your love alone that the poor will forgive you the bread you give them. Hold that in your hearts for a while. The dirtier they are, the more unjust, the more you must live them, and it's only your love that the poor will forgive you for the bread you give them. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Oh, uh-huh.